You got to get serious and get into this battle. And what we're watching happening in the governments and the earth and everything is the type and shadow of what's going to happen in the kingdom. Don't mess with us. Don't mess with our kids no more. We're not playing this game. There's so much destruction that's going on with these people. We really need to stand up. See, the Lord has given us the authority to break the yokes. And it's time that the church gets out of the four walls and gets in the streets and starts talking Jesus. Jesus, Amen. Blessings out there. We just want to say hi to all our viewers across the world with VOH News. And, uh, you know, we, as we've been here at the reawakening in Virginia Beach, it's just been a wonderful time with so many people, so many different fields where people are, you know, literally talking about and everything from science to what's happening with COVID to, you know, messages the pastors are bringing. Uh, It's just been an incredible time with with doctors, virologists. Uh, But here we have a a wonderful interview uh, with the ex-colonel, well, retired colonel. Retired colonel. Yeah, retired lieutenant colonel uh, David Grafine. And uh, he he has a very... uh, Important project, I believe, with United uh, United American Patriots, right? Correct. And so many people have asked me about the January 6th and all those things, and we know that's a whole different area, but you're sort of coming at this with uh, another angle of, of what's been happening with uh, veterans from our country, that, that you're being used, you know, it's been put on your heart to, to get them out of situations where I'm, I'm going to let you explain it because I, I don't want to step on this at all. But David, thank you for being on the show. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. And, yeah. I, you know, the, the big thing here is uh, our organization, United American Patriots or UAP.org is where you can go get more information about the organization. Nice. We fight for our warriors' rights. Mm-hmm. And where we're really focused on are those warriors who have been accused of committing crimes in combat, or they're often referred to as war crimes. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times, those individuals who are out there, who have sworn to support and defend our Constitution, who are going in harm's way on yeah. our behalf, yeah. they're not getting their rights protected. Sure. And so what we do is we step in and we fund them having the proper legal defense to ensure that their rights are preserved and to ensure that if there's an investigation that has to be done, we're funding that. We come in to support the warriors to make sure that, again, if there's a crime, then we'll make sure that those individuals are held accountable appropriately. And if not, that they're not being wrongfully accused and unjustly incarcerated. And we still have warriors right now, even though the wars are done. Mm. Afghanistan, Iraq, the wars are done. And yet the Taliban have been released and we still have U.S. servicemen in prison. Mm. So that's what we're doing. We're fighting for the warriors' rights. Colonel, how many many of our, our soldiers are in prisons right now serving time. Right. Well, there, there's there's hundreds of people that are in prisons mm. right now. Not all of them are associated with war crimes. And yeah. some of them, quite frankly, justifiably so. Uh, there's a yeah. few, yeah. though, that, you know, have had their rights violated that deserve to have a second look at minimum. And sure. we have actual cases in habeas corpus, it's called, where we're taken mm. out of the military, brought into federal courts to review them. But we mm. have many other warriors who have also been paroled but they still are convicted murderers. We've had 
cases where we've been able to get the president, President Trump, to come out and pardon warriors. But even though they're pardoned, they're still considered convicted felons. So in wow. the case of Clinton Lawrence, where he was pardoned by President of the United States, Donald yeah. Trump, He's in law school right now, but we don't know if he'll ever be able to pass the bar because he's still technically a felon, even though he wow. never committed a crime. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, have you seen reversals on this type of situation, you know, the, these type of uh, um, people that have gone and, and been convicted, they're considered a felon, uh, obviously they've been pardoned, shouldn't that sponge out that? Or, or is there a whole other process for that? Yeah, so technically, yes. And we, this is one of the interesting cases where, you know, President Trump actually called Clinton Rance while he was in prison, and he actually said to him, he goes, when this is all said and done, your record is going to be cleaner than mine, he joked. <laughs> but Clint's record is not clean, and yeah. this is where we continue to fight for it, and this nice. is where the warriors, they continue to have their rights violated. And even mm. when they're pardoned, they're, they don't have a clean record. But the, the interesting thing is, <clears throat> unlike many other civilian criminals, there has never been one case of recidivism from any of our warriors who mm -hmm. were accused of war crimes, who've mm -hmm. come out, committed murder, or any other crime for that matter. Yeah. So this is where, you know, our warriors being treated in an, a, an overly harsh manner, yeah. and they're being held accountable in a system that's stacked against them. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you said something before we, we started the interview, which I thought, it, you know, it never had dawned on me. You know, we, we talk about these incidences where, you know, you're in war. You're dropping bombs. Your your missiles are being shot. You know, artillery bullets don't you know have direction on them just to kill the bad guy, right? They they they're everywhere. And so some of our men they get in these situations. But you said something earlier that really just you know blew my mind. They're almost. Even even still today, people are dropping. We're, the U.S. government is dropping bombs on people. Those bombs are indiscriminately falling on in areas where there's civilians, whatever else, and and people aren't even being held accountable for that. They're making decisions at the top of the rung, and when civilians are being killed. So why is it so harsh on a soldier that's that's on the ground out there doing their job? Right, these men are trained. These men are professionals at what they do under a very intense, very scrutinized uh, jobs that they're doing the best they can. But they're also fighting for their friends. They're fighting for, for their, you know, go back home to see their families. They're, they're fighting in a very difficult situation. Why aren't they, why are they, why aren't they being treated the same as that person that's dropping a bomb from, from 10,000 feet? Yeah, and that's a great question. And so what we call when civilians are injured in combat, uh, which is never anything that we, we'd like sure. to see, it's, it's horrific, but it's considered collateral damage. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate, but it happens in war. Yeah. But as you pointed out, 
The warrior on the ground is being second-guessed constantly, whereas the drone operator is not. The individual who's who's ordering, the generals who are operating or are ordering bombs to be dropped on wedding parties, which mm-hmm. has happened, to take out what's called a high-value target and then take out 60 or more innocent civilians, women and children, yeah. no one's held accountable for that. So it, there's a disproportionate, there's, you know, there's sort of a certain rules for, for me and other rules for thee. Yeah. And this is where we come in to say, look, we're going to support the tactical warrior to ensure that their rights are preserved, consistent with the presumption of innocence. And here's where, you know, people try to make a comparison with law enforcement. Now, law enforcement's a tough job, but a lot of times people say, well, you know, the police officer has to think twice. And in some cases, or most cases, except recently, most criminals don't want to be in a firefight. They want to get away. Sure. In combat, the enemy is trying to kill the warrior, yeah. and yet engaged. we don't give them the presumption of innocence, and we yeah. don't recognize that they're not just fighting for their lives, they're fighting for their fellow warriors, and they're fighting for our Constitution. Yeah. And that's where these warriors, they must be given that presumption of innocence. Now, now David, you, you, were, you were in uh, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, you, you were boots on the ground, Marine Corps, right? right. Um, you've been in battle. You've been in war. You've seen these type of incidents break out. I mean, it's not like you sit there and go, oh, hey, they're shooting us over here. Let's shoot them back. You're, you're usually in a very intense, you, you, you guys, most of the, the film, most of the stuff I've seen where our soldiers are going into a fight, usually they're being coaxed into somewhere. And so it's just, it's a frenzy at first. It's not something that that uh, uh, you have time to really think. It's a, it's a lot of reaction. Well, I, well, let's put it this way. I'd say as Marines, we locate, close with, and destroy the enemy. We yeah. tend to control the battle, okay? Now, yeah. certainly, there are reactive type situations, sure. and there are situations where there, there's split-second decisions that must be made. But for the most part, at least with the warriors that I serve with, uh, they're, they're not, it's not indiscriminate shooting. There's a great book that just came out by Fred Galvin, a, a major United States Marine Corps retired raider. Uh, and he led some of the first Marine Special Operators into Afghanistan, the first Raiders, and they weren't even called Raiders at the time. And there's a book that just came out called A Few Bad Men, and he was second-guessed. They were in an ambush, and they responded, and they responded effectively. And the mm. enemy didn't like that. And yeah. that's the problem, is that the enemy ends up snitching, if you will, or telling on our warriors and our government mm. and even our senior officers in theater they don't give the presumption of innocence to our warriors and they listen to the enemy. And this is where there's this disproportionate. We've seen the US government fly in enemy combatants to testify against our warriors. Wow. That should be treasonous right there. Yeah. And moreover, then they, they take them well, to SeaWorld. You, yeah, you, you think they're going to sit there and tell the truth, right? That, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's war and they know how to fight it much better than we do. So. so when you when you when you look at Vietnam, when you look at uh, you know Korea, when you look at the past wars we've we've been in, why has the goalpost changed so much? <laughs> well, look, there, there's politics that come into everything, and mm. you know our job as warriors again is to execute. Uh, the politicians, they're the ones that decide how and when to fight wars. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you look back, World War II was ended in less than four years. Yeah. Iraq and Afghanistan went on for 20, and we lost. 
Now, the Warriors on the ground never lost. We we never lost a major engagement, nor the same in Vietnam. But this is where, when the the enemy gets to influence our decision-making, then all of a sudden, we become timid in the way we're going to prosecute wars. And wars are horrible for a reason, because there's one thing worse than war, and that's unbridled aggression. And the only thing that stops unbridled aggression is a war. And it's people who are willing to draw the line and are willing to go into harm's way to prevent innocent civilians from being harmed. So much is lost in translation within God's word. It's surprising how much is misunderstood, even simple word definitions. In his book, Access Behind the Veil, Apostle Michael Petro explains that beyond the veil lies the original intention of God's plan to restore creation through his people. When the Lord gives us access behind the veil, we begin to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and our calling as a royal priesthood. Apostle Michael Petro writes about deciphering the Torah from the Hebrew language and recognizing God's language of mysteries, secrets, and parables within the scripture. It's time to step behind the veil and see the coming glory. Access Behind the Veil, The Coming Glory by Apostle Michael Petro. Available now on our website, voh.church. I mean, now I I got you here and, and your ranking in the Marine Corps. Um, what do you see? I mean, what's going on right now? You see what's happening, you know, with Russia. You see what's happening in Ukraine. And, and I'm seeing a lot of bantering coming out of our government. And so many people are worried about this because we're, we're making statements. We're, when you hear guys like George Soros talking about uh, the West got to get into the war. Uh, we we got to start bringing the, the you know NATO into this now, and and we 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 you know Russia's a threat to our democracy, right? And and I'm sitting there watching it every night on the news. Every night and I said, you know, I didn't see this much of the Iraq War. I didn't see this much of Afghanistan. Why? I mean, it's such a it, it's it's being over politicized, and I have my reasons why I think it's being done right. General Flynn actually had told me what was going on, but when we see all this happening, what is your impression of why all of a sudden we're so interested in in Ukraine? When when we've never been, we weren't interested in Crimea. We weren't interested in all, in the in the wars and in the, in the in the states around that, but now all of a sudden we're interested in, in Ukraine. Do you have anything on that? Well, look, you've got to have some they, intel. Listen, there there is certainly decisions being made that are way above my pay grade, mm-hmm. and uh, there's certain political influences that are happening that you know we we could debate all day long. I I think the one thing that is important though to recognize when we get senior officials in our government saying. We are ready for war. We're not ready for war. When was the last time you visited a fallout shelter? When was the last time you prepared for nuclear war? When we're talking about going toe-to-toe with a nuclear superpower, we're not ready for that. And so this is where we're, we're, we're fighting along the edges here. And we have to realize that we have never gone toe-to-toe with a peer competitor that had nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. never. Yeah. And so unless we're really ready for this, we better think s- smartly about how we intend to move forward and how we intend to engage. Now, we've fought proxy wars plenty of times. Look, sure. Russia supported the enemy against us a- in different conflicts, and we've supported the enemy against Russia. But going toe-to-toe, 
that's a very different situation. Yeah, but in all those other instances, when we either, either we supported troops or so armaments or whatever against Russia, we never bragged about it. Neither did the Russians when they had soldiers fighting with the, with the uh, South uh, with the Koreans, the North Koreans, right? They never said that they denied it, right? Now all of a sudden you got our politicians saying, "Yeah, we helped them shoot down a, a cargo plane filled with the Russian soldiers. We helped them bomb these tanks over here, right?" Those are you're making a claim that if the Russians want, they can say this is a provocation. I mean, this is a very serious thing, and 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 now, and you hear Biden, oh, they had to they had to you know track back on it. He said we're going to send troops into into, into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, either he's really lost it, or else you know, it, it's it's a very dangerous place we're at right now in in world events. Yeah, and but and, you know, here also it's important to understand that there's. We, we put ourselves in situations because we're reactionary, that we're not proactive, that there, there's ways to prevent wars from happening. There's ways yeah. to ensure that we don't put ourselves into a situation where now what do we do? Now we're yeah. in a reactionary mode. And this is where, again, there there was there's ways to build up NATO. There was We saw this happening under the previous administration to prevent this overreaction, but weakness breeds strength from the enemy. Strength is what prevents us from being in a situation from going to war, because nobody should want to go to war, and we should be able to find the ways to prevent us from going to war, as opposed to now figuring out how do we engage. I I was at an event in Israel, and they had uh, ambassadors there from all over the world. I spoke, and this was back at the time of Obama, and I spoke to the ambassador from uh, from Poland. And I, I just asked him, I said, what do you think about you know President Obama? And he said to me something very interesting. He said, when the American president is weak, it affects the rest of the world. And he goes, there's wars that break out that don't need to be to break out if the American president is strong. Just the show of strength will stop wars from other countries. And people need to understand but, but the importance of that. Than, but it's more than just a show, or a, it's, it's more than a perception. There's reality. I actually ran for Congress back in 2016, or actually it was 15 when we started, because we saw U.S. citizens having their heads cut off by ISIS, and we were doing nothing about it. Yeah. And it infuriated me that our government felt it was tolerable to allow other organizations, Islamist organizations, to brag about killing U.S. citizens. When all of a sudden, President Obama was saying, well, there's nothing that can be done about it. It's the JV team, it's this and that. Those were all lies. Because when President Trump came in and he said, destroy the enemy, we did. And we were able to go out there and do it. And our warriors know how to do it if given the right direction and taken off leash to take the fight to the enemy. There's over 120 violent Islamist organizations in the world. There are no violent Christian organizations in the world. There are no violent Jewish organizations in the world that are going around terrorizing the world. Just isn't happening. But there are these organizations that must be kept in check. And whenever we back off, they will see, they perceive kindness as weakness. And that can never be allowed because it's intolerable. Because here's the irony. The people who get harmed the most are actually the Muslims. And so the Islamists turn against their own people. So it's really, it's a very, it's it's important that we ma- maintain our strength. And we had a warrior, United American Patriots, UAP.org, supported a warrior 
who was in Syria, who was in a firefight, and our Apache helicopters, these are the most versatile, deadly weapon systems we have flying around the air. Mm. They videotaped this firefight, and when asked why, they said, well, we're not allowed to engage until one of our troops is killed. So we had to wait for someone to be killed. And this is a warrior in a firefight, and he was then put in for a Bronze Star, a medal for heroism, and instead, they tried court-martialing him. But this is where our organization, UAP.org, stepped nice. in. We funded his legal defense, and that whole case was thrown out. Appreciate that. One more question. You were in Afghanistan. What did you think about this pullout? I, I, I'm gonna, I gotta ask you this question. Mm-hmm. I can't see us pulling out of Afghanistan with, with the military wisdom that we have in such a huge debacle. I mean, what's your opinion? Well, let's just say it could have been ha- if if it was going to happen, mm. it could have and should have been handled much better than it was. There was no reason for it to be handled the way it was, but it yeah. it was a political decision. Like, hey, we're just pulling out. We're done. We don't want to even address it. And and I've been at Bagram, and to give up one of our largest airfields, it, it just it didn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, it, it was very disappointing, especially when we had to see our Marines go in and get harmed. Sure. Uh, very upsetting. Very disappointing. And I and I mean for. All- we, we didn't have that many troops there in the first place. It was it was it, it was just a pretty much a peacekeeping force. Colonel, I I really appreciate you what you're doing. Thank can, you. Can you tell everybody again how do they get a hold? Uh, donations. Uh, boots on the ground, people that want to come in and say, hey, I can do this, I can do that. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how can so people? Re- reach out to United American Patriots. That's UAP.org. Uh, certainly, we accept donations, but also reach out to your congressman. Right now, we've got, we're supporting uh, the Justice for Warrior Caucus, which is led by Congressman Louis Gohmert and other congressmen who are helping to get behind the uh, post-war amnesty project and trying to push forward a bill that's going to make sure that our warriors are being released and not being held accountable the same way that the Taliban have all been released. So it's UAP.org. You can get more information there. And uh, any support we can get, we greatly appreciate. It goes directly to our warriors. Thank you. We just want to thank all of our listeners out there. Please, uh, uh, these are our men. These are are men that have been in harm's way for our country, for your freedoms and for mine. Uh, They are our first line of defense. Uh, We we need to step up and, and be part of what David and these men are doing in order to, to, to bring our, our, our men that have paid such a dear price for our freedom. Uh, there's no reason why they should be sitting in jail. Yeah, there's probably some, but, you know, war is war. Please get a hold of uh, this organization. If you need any information from us, call us, email us, and we'll get it over to David and his group. If I could just throw out one sure. last point, because this is a very interesting point when we talk about amnesty. And, and you brought up a point like, you know, aren't there some warriors that are actually in prison who are deserving? And the answer is yes. But here's the interesting thing. If you go back to our founding fathers and Ben Franklin, he's saying that a thousand guilty people should go free so that one innocent man does not spend a day in prison. It's the communist perspective to round everybody up and certainly will get one guilty person. So the point being is that those who are guilty, you know what? I would rather see that individual go free than to see our innocent warriors who are sitting in prison while their families are waiting for them. That's where we get behind amnesty. That's the American way. David, we're going to, we're in and whatever you need brother and, and we appreciate you for your service thank you sir for our country thank you awesome thank you so much bless what you, a pleasure brother. bless thank you, you. again bless. get a hold of us get a hold of uh get a hold of david uh 
we need to help these men. Bless you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to vohradio.com. That's vohradio.com. Call the studio at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Or you can send us an email at info at vohradio.com. Again, that's info at vohradio.com. This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro.